Today is May 24th, 2020. Welcome to the Generic Board Game Podcast, all the board gaming content you could possibly want at a fraction of the price. I'm your American host, Philip Millman. And I'm your European host, Vic from Navecon. That's actually my surname. I had it changed by Deed Paul recently. Philip, it looks lovely and sunny. <laughs> did you get your did you get your the Navecon tattoo to your backside like a tramp stamp? Uh, well, it's uh, next to the other one, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> right, let me put it this way: I got it done on four cheeks. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. How, how are you? How are you doing out there in Ireland? How's the uh, pandemic? Are you guys opening up a little bit? We are, yeah. Um, the hardware shops have opened, and that's a big thing. So, I've been hardwearing like nobody's business. Um, so, is I've that a word? Is that a word? Hardwearing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, or is yeah. that an Irish thing? It's it's uh, actually, but since you know, language is our first uh, the um and words and so on, it all gets mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> words are very important. There we go. Yeah, uh, big words. We've been opening up uh, here in Maryland. We've gone into phase one. Uh, DC is about to go into phase one reopening. We have these three phases. Sure, that's been uh, approved by the CDC, and. With all of that, and things are starting to open up slowly, uh, my agent, my not my agency, my county, the county in which I live, Montgomery County, has decided they do not want to go into phase one yet uh, because they're relying on a lot more data and, quite frankly, on data that I personally don't think is relevant. I think hospitalization and hospitalization utilization are, and ICU utilization are the important three. We've had uh, increased uh, confirmed COVID uh, uh, infections, but that's because our testing has ramped. Uh, v- ha- our, our testing has ramped up uh, tr- quite tremendously because mm. our governor went out and did a side deal with South Korea because his wife is South Korean to get about half a million tests so that he could use that on top of what he was getting from the feds. So we are getting a lot more positive tests, but the actual hospitalizations, the hospital utilizations, the the very sick, that's actually going down quite dramatically. So hopefully uh, our county will start to use those as opposed to just overall, mm. uh, you know, con- confirmed cases going down, which does not make sense, quite frankly, because a lot of people are going to get it and, and it's going to be no worse than a cold. For many people, it's just the older and the, and the sick that are, are a problem. But with all that other positive good news, um, okay. I got a dog. Dr. Philip, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Phil in the house. Yeah, a, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. And I'm about as talented and as accredited as the other Dr. Phil. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> and we, we got a dog we, uh, on Friday, which has made my cat very, very upset. Um, we've named him Vinny after my cousin Vinny. Excellent. The movie. But his real name is Vincenzo, but we're calling him Vinny because, you know, we're kind of in a formal house. And he's an Australian cattle dog. So we're just waiting for oh, that energy wow. level to ramp up. Sweetest animal. Very, very sweet. Um, I've not seen an aggr- any sort of aggression out of him whatsoever. Barely barks. Um, but the cat is not happy, so we're trying to introduce him. The cat now is sleeping behind my monitor because he knows nobody in- can get at him there. Is he, what age is he? We think he's between two and three. Okay, maybe he's so never actually from... seen an Australian cattle cow. Oh, the cat or the, the dog? Yeah, no, maybe the dog hasn't seen an Australian cow and thinks the cat's an Australian cow and is living to his name. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. No, the cat's uh, the cat is uh, the cat is almost a little over four. He's about four, four and a half, oh, yeah. and we think and we think the dog is between two and three. But he's he's very sweet. 
What have you been playing with all the stuff that's been going on? I'm sure you've been playing thousands upon thousands of games. I've been playing thousands upon thousands of games, as it turns out. Um, just not face-to-face, although I have played a little bit with my family. I'll tell you what I've been playing recently, and I really like, and has become quite competitive in my house, is Drop It. Oh, uh, yeah, great game. Great game. It's There's a little bit more depth than I thought. Um, like, I mean, there's been tears and so on over it, and they've just been mined. Um, and... <laughs> You know, when I was playing with the family and it's, it is seriously competitive and, you know, really nasty as well. Um, great game. It's surprisingly good. What else? I played Exploding Kittens once and that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exploding Kittens is cute and it's worth maybe three or four plays and that's it. Mm. My cat's now looking at me. What the hell are you talking about? Exploding Kittens. It's not you. Not you, Liam. You're fine. We're not, no one's going to explode you. Okay. He's back to sleep the uh but i bought drop it for a friend of mine because i don't have kids at home so it doesn't make sense for me to have drop it but i bought it for a friend of mine who has Mm. uh, three kids and they could not believe how competitive it was and how good it was i was actually taught that game by fellow heavy gamers jason dinger who has done um who's the designer of city of no i'm sorry of um well he has a new game coming out crescent cargo city which will be on kickstarter soon and he also did captains of the gulf which is a phenomenal game about the Louisiana uh, fishing industry in the Gulf oh, wow. of Mexico. So it's got a rondelle, and there's a video of me teaching it. Sort does it of. feature shrimping? It does. It's, yeah, uh, there's quite an amount of shrimping, actually, different types. Maybe you've heard that. I, I have heard that, but you're fishing for shrimp, clams, and lobsters, all three of which I cannot eat because of my dietary restrictions. So I think it's pretty funny, actually, that I like a game on, on fishing for food that I cannot eat. No, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've been, so you've been playing drop it. What else? Um, I played quite a bit on tabletop simulator, actually labyrinth war and terror. I looked the other day, I played 60 hours of it on steam. Wow. Against, yeah. Against various people, really good game. Hard to, well, hard for me anyway, it's a GMT game. So it's harder than normal for, um, to learn. And yeah, very, very interesting game. Uh, what else? Fort Sumpner. Uh, oh, very nice. Is that how you pronounce it? Sumpner? That is correct. Fort Sumpter. I've actually been there oh, in wow. South Carolina. Yeah, that's a bit of fun. Um, through the ages uh, is constantly being paid. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure if I check my phone now, I'll see it's my turn in uh, Through the Ages. And play Tabletop Simulator, still run the Thursday night game. Not in my house, just virtually. And we played Architects of the Western Kingdom. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I seem to have been kicked off the group because I, I haven't seen an invite or I haven't seen much traffic there, so I'll have to... Uh... We just made a decision. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, you, you started talking, sounded very American and so on. We weren't having that. What are you all talking about there? I have no idea. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you must check it. it, it it's it, You need to kind of warm them up a little bit or, or arrange a game, but yeah, no, it's it's it should be easy enough to get a game on. Yeah, so I've been playing Glory to Rome, uh, mostly on Tabletop Simulator. I played uh, I played another game of Keyflower uh, this time with my wife, and she she liked it. And then I've played um, a single game, you know, solo game of Clans of Caledonia because I want to get back into it. I really like that game, and I haven't played it in a while, so okay. I just wanted to get back into it. So it's been kind of a light. A couple. It's been very light for me from a game perspective because I've been working so very hard. There's so much going on in my work life that I just don't have time. And then 
you know, everything with the dog is also eating up a tremendous amount of time. The quick question for you. Have you bought anything in the last month or two? Yeah, I have. So I have pre-ordered The Magnificent, which I played at BGG, which is very, very good. Um, and at the same time, there was an amazing sale on Spirit Island uh, through Game Nerds. Okay. And I bought it from there. And I mean, like it was like 30-something bucks. It was, it was really, really good. Uh, the other game that uh, I bought, which I'm waiting to get once... Um, uh, once I can get to my, my favorite local game store is Barrage. I hear it's really, really good. Okay. And, you know, and I want to support my, my favorite local game sure. store because they do great work. And I really do hope to return on their Thursday night game night. Cause it's really a lot of fun. Okay. I will tell you that we just got an announcement last Friday that I am not, I am, I don't know if I'm going to be returning to work then, but I'm on mandatory telework until Friday, June, I think it's 24th, 25th, 26th, whatever that Friday is. So the earliest I could go back to work is whatever that last Monday in June. Okay. And we have a big holiday at the beginning of July in the United States called July 4th or Independence Day. Sure. You may, you may not have heard of that in Ireland. You know, we, we were... It was Traitor Day or something to the English, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, which, which is fine. Um, yeah, we're traitors to the English. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fine. They've gotten over it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> good grief. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we've just spent a lot of time talking about silliness here, but, um, so yeah, so I want to, I, I'm hoping to get some more games and I'll probably end up playing a little bit more in the solo world. Yeah. I went and ordered after kind of holding my breath for a long time and not ordering games. And every time I went to press buy now or buy, I found myself saying, when are we going to play it? And then, I don't know, something kind of came over me. I think we've moved into phase one here. Things are becoming a little bit more loose. And I, I went and I ordered a game I wanted for a while called King and Assassins, if you've ever heard oh, of it. Oh, I've never heard of it. King and Assassins is interesting. You can get it as an app as well. The app is a little bit unfinished insofar as you can set up private games in it, which is a pity because it's a cracker of a game. Uh, mm. The idea is you've got an evil king uh, who has... Would that yeah, be me? Yeah, that, would that, that, that be evil be, king? That could be either of us. And Yay. He starts in one corner of the map, and it's like a, a, a grid map, and there's you've only got like one or two different maps you can play, and you're maybe 20 squares away from the castle. And each turn, you draw a card, and you get a certain amount of movement points for your guards, and you get one or two movement points for yourself. So you're stumbling towards the castle. And then the other player moves the villagers, some of which are secretly assassins. So um, you can push people out of the way. You know, you can um, you can move your guys and kind of protect the king. And then you've got the assassin who's kind of playing a cagey game where he's moving villagers up in your face who may or may not be assassins. And you're wasting action points kind of dealing with them. Really, really nice game. Very simple. Uh, struck me. So I went out and bought it and have some models now to paint once it arrives. Nice. Nice. Yeah, no, it, it's been slow. And I've, I've, I've also done a few Kickstarters, not many, but um, okay. mostly expansions. Um, I don't know if you've ever played Lords of Vegas. I haven't. I've seen it being played near me and it looked really interesting. But uh, it, is, it. it is way more fun than it should be. Mm -hmm. You know, normally I, I, I despise dice game. Yeah. Unless it's a dice placement game, but this one is so fun and so thematic. I just I went I went kind of all in. Okay. On the expansion. 
Good so, view. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else in the gaming world that you've been working on? Um, I'm trying to think of anything interesting. No, I'm yeah, like yourself. I'm a little bit busy in work. Uh, while it's there, we might as well kind of take it. And um, it's it's just been a busy time. And and between that and DIY and so on, are you a bit of a DIY head yourself? Or uh, on certain things, yes, but not to the level that you are. So you know, there there are there. There's a joke that we tell. Um, and this will probably get me into trouble. So a guy comes to a priest and, and asks the priest, is is sex work? And the priest says, let me think about it. And the guy comes back a week later and the, the priest is disheveled. He says, I need three more days. And he goes, wait, <laughs> comes back in three more days. And the priest says, yes, sex is work. Okay. So then the guy goes to a Baptist minister and he asks the Baptist minister, is sex work? And the Baptist minister thinks and says, oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Come back in a week and I'll, I'll let you know. He comes back a week later, the Baptist priest's, you know, the Baptist minister's hair is is all frazzled and he's he looks like he hasn't slept in seven days. He says, I need three more days, three more days. Guy comes back three more days later and the Baptist minister says, yes, sex is work. Guy says, all right, let me go ask, let's ask a Jewish guy. So he goes to the rabbi and says, uh, rabbi, is sex work? And without a moment's hesitation, the rabbi says, no, sex is not work. And he goes, what do you mean sex is not work? I, I went to the, the priest and to the, the minister and they both took eight. They, they both took 10 days, gave it a lot of thought, and said sex was work. And here you are telling me instantly that sex doesn't work. How can that be? And he says, well, if it was work, my wife would pay someone else to do it. And that's my DIY. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was worth the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I hope our listeners like that yeah. from that little diversion. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that in another podcast across the board, one of the things that they do is a no board game gets left behind. And these are games that are over five years old that are ranked 500 or 250 or lower. And these are games that people will come out and play. And where you talk about games that maybe have not gotten the BGG hotness that they mm -hmm. once had or ever had. And we thought we would do something similar. Ours is a little different. It can be, it doesn't have to be five years old. In fact, I have something here. I have, I have two on my list that are from last year. But I thought it would be kind of interesting for, and, and Vic thought the same thing. So that was a that was really a very rare event that we both agreed on something. That was it. Yeah, I I'm, I haven't been right since. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We would go through our top games that are ranked 500 or lower, and these are games that we've played that we enjoy. And I thought it might be interesting just to to see where our tastes lie on the non popular from a BGG ranking perspective. Now the BGG ranks change daily. Uh, my list is pulled uh, from May 20th. I don't know when you pulled your list, but it's probably about the same time, yeah? Probably five minutes ago. The um, I'd just like to say I had a much cooler name, but I wasn't allowed to use it, but it was because it's democracy, which was the sub 500s. The sub 500s, beautiful. We'll use that. Now, this isn't sub 500%, it's just sub 500. So uh, we'll start with the usual way. We'll start at number 10, uh, going up to number one with a, a short break between number two and number one for our honorable mentions. So uh, I'm going to go first because I'm the loudest mouth right now. And my number 10 is a little game called New Amsterdam. Ooh. Yes, it's it's a game that, uh, quite frankly, does not get played that much. It is, it's a very clever auction game. And it's very clever on, on a lot of different things. First of all, there's an auction so that you get resources and so forth. You do trading with Indians. But one of the very cool mechanics is uh, every round, there are less and less Indians to trade with as they go away from the American, or I'm sorry, the European 
colonists who've come in and, and you know and are taking the resources away from their land. But it, it it's very very clever, and it's one of the few games that that has a muskrat as a resource. So muskrat. muskrat pelts are a resource. It's very very clever. It is available on the secondary markets. I don't I haven't seen it available new for sale. But there's a lot there's a lot in the geek market for it. I say it's I highly recommend the game. Again, it's an auction game. It's very thematic and has a lot of very interesting decisions. What's your number ten, Vic? My number ten is a game you can get pretty easily. It's still available. It's a played hat game. Is Specter Ops? Oh, yeah. It's have you played it? I have not. Okay, but I've heard about it. You've missed out. The um, <laughs> Specter Ops. That's okay. It's all right. <laughs> you know. The, uh, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the first time I've missed out on go. something I should and, have done. And I have to say, we don't know what the other person has got for their list of ten here. We haven't discussed this, and Philip is convinced we are not going to cross over. And I reckon we might. But look, this is a sub five hundred Specter Ops. It's a hidden movement game. You got one person that goes into a complex and is moving around secretly. You've got up to four people that are trying to hunt them down, and they all have special abilities and equipment. Great little game. In fact, I would say it's one of my favorites, if not my favorite, um, hidden movement game. It tops Fury for Fury of Dracula and a few others. All right. So, what's your number nine? We're gonna we'll, we'll do the we'll do this. We'll do it in on. reverse. Yeah. Number nine is Spyfall, and Spyfall. Oh, interesting. Party game. Have you played it? Mm-hmm. I've played it many times. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a cracking little game, and it's funny because there's very little um, material needed to run the game. It's a it's a set of cards and so on, but the game is hilarious, especially when you play with new people or some people that are clever, um, or some people that are super clever. Like like when I played it at NaveCon and somebody asked the question, "Oh, what's the rule about this?" and they knew the game inside and out, and they were having us on the whole time. It was so well done. Um, Excellent. Yeah. What about yourself? What's your number nine? My number nine is a little game from Capstone Games, or it was reprinted by Capstone Games, called Lignum. Lignum is a type of tree, uh, hardwood, uh, originally grown in Germany until it was cut to almost extinction. And Lignum is a rondelle game where you are uh, putting your workers uh, through this, this path every season, and you're trying to collect wood, trying to collect wood cutters, wood movers. It's a... And it's a game that requires great planning. And if you screw up your planning, you are just gone. There, it goes over two years, over four seasons. And one of the interesting things is on the last season, you have to feed your workers. So you may have to make sure that you have enough food to feed your workers. Because if you don't, you have to take out loans to be able to buy the fruits to do that. And that is extraordinarily punishing. Uh, in the second time I played, I was playing with this guy who had played six or seven times. Uh, got a little cocky to be honest and he did not he, he got everything set up for the final season where you could actually take a sled and bring all the wood and have all the money for all the food and so forth and he forgot to get a sled so he was done and he he was out of the game i mean after after the half the game he was gone and he asked nicely if we could just kill the game because there was just he was absolutely blown out of it we did <laughs> but it, it's a game that requires really good planning and you have to be very thoughtful about how you proceed it has a lot of interesting mechanics it has an auction mechanic at the beginning um it has a worker 
placement rondelle kind of thing going on. Um, it's a cracking game, like you like to say. I really enjoy it. Lignum is my number nine. Very good. My number eight is a game called Pax Renaissance by Phil Eklund. Yes. And as, as much as I dislike Phil's politics, and if you ever want to know what they are, read the end notes for Pax Renaissance. Uh, it is eye opening to put it. Uh, to, 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 it is eye opening. Just leave it at that. Okay. But Pax Ren is a OPEC game where you are the powers behind the middle. Uh, you are basically the banker powers behind the Renaissance, and you're trying to control as many factions as possible. You don't actually care about which faction you own or control. All you care about is that you're in power when the right events happen. And you don't know what the end events are going to be until midway through the game. So you don't even know what the win condition is until about midway through the game. Wow. It's a very clever game. It's very tight. Uh, it is an absolutely brilliant game, but it is one that requires you to think non-linearly in many, many ways. Uh, again, great game. Uh, Phil Eklund politics notwithstanding. Uh, what is your number eight, sir? My number eight is a game called Wildlands. And, oh, I've, I've played that. Yeah, and it's it's recently been reskinned and came out as a Judge Dredd version called Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both very good. Uh, I played it a couple of years back. Um, we went to Essen, a group of us. We walked in the door ahead of everyone else. We'd kind of gone in a side door and gone a little bit early. And <laughs> being, being Irish, we can kind of get in anyway. And we were walking past the stand and we were asked, do you want to play this? And we're like, yeah, sure. Like we're like kids in toy shop. We're about, you know, we're looking, somebody's asking us, do we want a lollipop? And we're staring at like a sea of Willy Wonka, you know, uh, <laughs> treats. And we're like, yeah, sure, sure. Whatever. And we're like, okay, we'll put you in for, for two o'clock to play it. And we're like, fine. And we, we, we then kind of went, ah, we better go back to these guys and play. And there was five of us, I think sat down and started playing either four or five of us, four of us. And we played, and the guys went, we've never seen people play so harshly with each other. <laughs> and we also wound up all buying a copy of the game because it was that good. So, Diplomacy. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, that, that's not true. That's all those. The, um, <laughs> is your number seven? So my number seven is a little game called High Treason of Louis Real. Now, that's a game that is historical in nature. Um, it is it is a little bit difficult to find. I think there was a reprint recently, um, but it is phenomenal. What it, It's a game about the trial of Louis Rial, who was a Canadian Indian who was trying to get freedom for his province and for his people. The dude also thought he was a religious leader or a religious prophet. So it makes it very interesting. And you are playing either the defense or the um, prosecution. And the way it works through the trial is brilliant. And it actually goes through uh, getting the evidence, uh, you know, choosing which are the right um, jury to get. You know, you're, so you're doing handpicking jury. And then you're going through the trial. And you're trying to use the cards that you got from your discovery to best maximize the jurors that you have. I think, I'm sorry, the jurors go first and then you get do the facts. But it's brilliant. And it's a brilliant little game. Um, it's a two-player game, obviously. Plays in under an hour. If you can get it, I highly recommend High Treason of Louis Real. Okay. Oh, and I guess I should do number six now, huh? Go for it. So, so my number six game is a big box game. 
Uh, it's a little bit sandboxy, and it has some very interesting uh, play, and it has some very interesting mechanics. With the one caveat, the rules overhead makes this game very difficult to learn, and that is Feudum. Yes. Feudum is a lovely game. It's a lot of fun, and if you can get over the rules overhead, you will. it's worth it. In my opinion, it's worth it. For a lot of people, it may not be, but I enjoyed the heck out of Feudum. So I will continue to play it. I'm not really going to describe it because it really defies most mechanic descriptions. I mean, you do have dice on the board, but those actually represent different um, capabilities, uh, where your guys are, what resources you get, how you get resources, and, and, and they have a, a lot of different expansions that kind of mix things up a little bit. But it's an excellent game once you can figure the pull-push mechanism of being either uh, the leader or the sub-leader. But it's, I highly recommend it if you're willing to take the time and the hours to learn the, the rules. Hmm. What's your number six? My number six is another Martin Wallace game, uh, which is Australia. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of, a lot of people don't like it. I really like it. I've played it a few times. It's a mixture. Uh, if you've ever played Age of Industry or Brass, it's kind of like Brass meets Cthulhu, uh, where you're trying to do your brass thing. You're trying to build railroads and, you know, make money. But at the same time, Cthulhu is waking up and all his minions are out trying to mess up your day. As minions do. As they do. The um, as Well, both of us know. And, <laughs> you know what, what, what's kind of cool about it, or, or you know, is a little bit black humored insofar as you're, you're looking at, you know, you're all farmers effectively that are building railways and protecting things. And you can see somebody else getting hammered by zombies or whatever Cthulhu beast. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll just sit here and wait till they finish eating your farm. And then I'll step in and help, <laughs> you know, um, a lot of fun. It's, uh, I got it as a Kickstarter. So, you know, the retail version is practically identical. Uh, there's not a whole lot in the difference, but it's an interesting game. If you look at Martin Wallace's games, a lot of his games are similar. This is kind of like a distillation or a, a, there's a bit of everything from his different games in it. So it's worth having a look. And what is your number five? Number five is 878 Vikings. Oh, by Academy Games. Uh, excellent game. I do like it. It didn't make my list, but I do like that game. Yeah, I, I got the game. I was playing it and I was kind of like an ad for something where I'm sitting in my car and a, and a sports car pulls up beside me because I was playing it at Navecon and the guy two tables over was playing the Kickstarter with the the big rubber mat and all the, the leaders and so on. So, yeah, that was you. So I went out and bought every possible thing from Academy Games you could get. Uh, and actually, I haven't whipped it out since. I've painted the models of the leaders. I've, I've everything ready to go, even painted the building. But great game. It's What it is, is one or two people play the Vikings. And every year, they're invading England. And... Mm -hmm. And one or two players, and it does work really well with one or two players, play the defenders who, the Carls and so on, and they're trying to uh, defend against the Vikings. And it, it's kind of a case of they're like a wave that comes in and they get expended as they go across the map and try and kind of dig in. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the the UK or the English are, are fighting them back or, you know, fighting a retreating battle against them. Really, really good game. Well worth playing. Um, the game comes with 
if you go Kickstarter on it or get the expansion, there's several expansions. Yep. Never a good thing. Um, because when you see kind of there's four possible options, you're like, all oh, right, yeah, that's that. Which are the good ones and which aren't? Um, but it's it's a nice game, really worth looking at. Uh, your next one. Yep, my number five is a game with a very dark, dark theme. I mean, but oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a dark. It's a cold whirly game called An Infamous Traffic. Here you're playing a British uh, trade lord, or you know, one of these baron, one of these trade barons, where your job, your the way you make money is by shipping heroin into China. Okay. And it, requ- it has some negotiation aspect to it. It has uh, some area control aspect to it. And you're trying to make as much money as possible by selling and distributing drugs into China. It is a very dark theme. It's a it, it's it's now out of print. Um, so and finding a copy is now getting expensive. It's it's also a game that plays three to five. It's a dark theme. This is a game that's very hard for me to get on the table outside of conventions. But it is so worth it, and it's such an interesting game. And yes, it's very dark. And I would say that it's unapologetically dark, and it treats the matter seriously and historically correctly, uh, as most of what Cole Worley does. So I would I would highly recommend that one. Is it dark though? It's dark. Okay. It's a dark. It's I mean the the, the theme is dark. The art's not. I wasn't clear uh, whether it was dark or not. One, one more. more time, yeah, exactly. So for my next game, which is a little less dark. For my number four game that's rated below 400, and this is a game I think really doesn't get the love it deserves because it's a, it's a really brilliant game. It's Panamax. Okay. You are playing a shipping magnet trying to get goods through the Panama Canal. And what I love about it is it's a dice pool drafting game. It's very punishing if you make mistakes, so you have to really plan it. And what's very, very cool is when you move your ship into a lock, if there is a ship already there, it gets pushed for free. So if you can figure out what your opponents are doing, you can get a couple pushes for free. And so, I mean, that kind of sounds a little weird, but play the game, you'll see. And there's a, and there's a lot of other little things going on. And, and it's the type of game where it's not how much money your company owns, because you can buy shares of other people's companies as well. So it's how much you make personally. There's a lot of other games like that where you don't care about the uh, your companies, you care about you. So City of the Big Shoulders being one of them where you win by having the most money not personally as opposed to having the most money of a particular company. So Panamax, highly recommend it. Um, it, it does take a little bit to learn it, but there's some amazing, amazing uh, teaching guides on BGG. Highly recommend it, and, it's a, and, and you can buy it in the secondary market. What's your number four? My number four is a game called Level 7 Omega Protocol. Oh, very nice. Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it, never played it. It's an interesting one. It's very like any other dungeon crawler, at least that's what you think to start with. Uh, so you've got one person playing the overlord who plays the, the aliens or whatever they are. They're, they're kind of like genetic mutations in labs. And then you've got the other players, I think it's up to four, who are the kind of elite unit of specialist guards that are going in to, to sort out the problem and get to mm-hmm. the end. So it's a dungeon crawl, but it does have a very, very neat set of mechanics, uh, which is at scale so well, which is every action you take uh, generates um, what they call adrenaline points. So mm-hmm. if it's two points, you fire your gun, it's it's whatever. 
and you have different stances. So you can move carefully and that costs more adrenaline or you can rush or you can, you know, defend. But anyway, as you burn these adrenaline points, you hand them over to the GM who's playing the bad guy. And then the GM uses them to bring in aliens and move them and so on. And it's a really, really good game. Really good. It's probably a little bit underproduced. The aliens look fine. The, you know, the models look fine, but they could be a lot better. I mean, if you had, say, the right IP, like the game Aliens or the, sorry, the movie Aliens, this game would be out of this world. But as it stands, mechanically, super game. A lot of fun. Certainly a lot of fun playing as a GM. Uh, and you can be clever with it. There's a little bit more depth in your usual dungeon crawler. Great. What's your number three game? My number three game is one called Quartermaster General. Ooh, excellent game. Yeah, I, I have, have played that. I have played that. Yeah, and, and I've I've played most of them. I think the only one I haven't played is World War One version, but I've played the uh, Cold War version, which is very nice. It's it's really three players, but you can play it as six. I've played a lot of the World War Two one and the various expansions for that. And I've played the Ancient Med one, which is fine. It's four players, but the mechanics in it very good. Uh, it's a little bit like any other map based game, except you're making chains of armies and the mm-hmm. important thing is to keep them supplied. And yep. if they lose supply, that's it. Uh, they disappear. Very nice game. Very interesting. Lovely little mechanics. And I can see a few more coming out of the same stable. Uh, there's a lot of, of kind of historical conflicts that could be used for it. Now, what have you got in your number three? So my number three game is something that people affectionately call the spreadsheet of games. This is Arkwright, uh, which was recently republished by Capstone Games. Arkwright is a phenomenal game where you, again, I don't know what's with these British stuff, but uh, you're playing a British manufacturing owner and you're an investor and you're trying to uh, employ people, uh, get goods made, fire them because this is the Industrial Revolution, so you end up firing a lot of people. Uh, Really cracking good game. And the economic optimization puzzle really appeals to me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not for everybody. And the rule book is a little hard to get through, but fortunately there are plenty of really good resources out there for you to learn the game. But again, it's in one of those games where it really speaks to me. It's very dry in, its, in, in one sense. And you do spend a lot of time going in your head, all right, well, if I make three shoes and four lampshades, I can get this amount of money. But if I, you know, but if I do, you know, four lampshades and six foot, you know, it's that type of stuff. And then, of course, fitting out, figuring out how you're going to pay your workers and so forth. It's a very, very good game. Um, I highly recommend it if you like economic games and if you don't mind playing a game that's better known as the spreadsheet of games. My number two game, and this will be my last one before we get to the honorable mentions, is a newer game. Mm-hmm. It is Azul Summer Pavilion. Now, this one will probably break 500 very shortly, but it's, not, it's sub 500 now, so it's on my list. This is my favorite of the three Azuls, without a doubt. It's less punishing in one sense, uh, where people can really make it difficult difficult for you. I mean, there are situations where they can, but it's it's more, I screwed up. 
and the choices are still very, very good. It's got some very clever um, structures to it. It's it's basically the same mechanic as Azul, but it has some very clever structures to it. It plays under an hour. This is probably the highest-ranked filler on my list. If you, For me, anything under an hour is a filler. I really enjoy it. It's a game that I don't mind bringing out again and again. And it is, in fact, on my 10 by 10 this year. So I love this game. My wife enjoys it. And, in fact, I really enjoy it more than Azul first, the first Azul, which is mm-hmm. a very, very good game. Yeah. Um, Azul number two we don't talk about. That's sort of like the even-numbered Star Trek movies. We just don't talk about it. Anyway. There are beings. Yeah, very funny. All right, so... Uh, What's your number two before we get to the honorable mentions? My number two is actually a game you recommended. Shock, horror. And interestingly enough, I, I was looking at buying the game and was kind of hovering over it. And a friend of mine persuaded me um, online. I said, I'm thinking of getting this game. And he said, do. I went, okay, and bought it. So you can see how bendy an arm I have. Um, oh, nice. It's container. Um, I, yeah, I was lucky enough to pick up the jumbo edition with the, the big pieces and so on. Very interesting game. It's an economic game. It's about building containers and selling them. And it's it's a really, really clever game. Rules are not complex, but oh boy, um, you can wind up, you know, really kind of putting your foot in it if you do it wrong. And you can wind up making a fortune if you do it right. Great game. So what are your honorable mentions? Yeah, it's it's going to take a well, while. When I started looking at the sub-500 games, there's a lot of games I have that are sub-500 and a lot of ones that are worth mentioning. I'm going to run through a few pretty quickly. Uh, Sons of Anarchy mm-hmm. is one of them. It's a nice little game. Uh, it's based in the TV series. You're a biker gang and you're trying to make money and fight other gangs. Mint Works is a super little game. Mm-hmm. We've already spoke to the you know, designers of, of Mintworks. Um, Rex, Final Days of an Empire, mm. is a reskinned version of Dune that came out before they redid Dune. I think it's still a superior version of Dune, but the IP, you know, is off. Jaws is a very nice game, mm. the new one. Yeah, it's kind of like a a very simple kind of Scotland Yard game, but the, it's two games in one. It's It's one you have to play. It's very clever. It's very simple uh, and it's quite cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's loads of other little ones. I mean, um, I could go into GMT games that are all after 500, but all GMT games are great if you like GMT games. And I suppose my last one, which has always been fun late at night at NaveCon, is Happy Sam. Oh, yeah, that's a cute little game. But we we play the silent version of Happy Salmon, which is totally hilarious. There's a video of it online somewhere, and you'll see a bunch of lads you know, and ladies running around, you know, making these hand signals, gesticulating to get the other person to match. But that's that's my list. What have you got honorable mention-wise? So we do have one that overlaps. So on my honorable mention, I have Mint Works, which okay. is, uh, uh, and we talked to Rachel Blask, who, who helps run the company. Uh, two, Matt Leacock, basically roll and rights, although one of them technically is not a roll and write, it's a roll in place, which is uh, Era, Medieval Age, which we've talked mm-hmm. about, and Roll Through the Ages, which is a, a, an older but excellent roll and write. Irish Gage, which is a very good train game, although that one is probably going to be going above 500 uh, probably after this this podcast hits. Um, and then lastly, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Um, and this is a st- stupid little game, but I enjoy the heck out of it. It's Pandemic Contagion, where you're the disease trying to kill people off. 
Okay. I enjoy that game. It's a set collection game. It's almost Ticket to Ride in nature, but it's very clever in my mind, and I enjoy it. So it's on my honorable mention. So, Vic, what is your number one sub-500 game? This may come as a surprise to friends of mine slash people I game against. It's a co-op game. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're. I'm a heart attack. (laughs) No, well, it's kind of a co-op game. Is New Angeles? Oh, wow! I've heard of that. I've never played it. New Angeles. I have played a few times. It can become a long game. The idea is, it's New Angeles. You're it's set in kind of cyberpunk future. You have New Angeles is an area that's controlled by corporations. There's maybe five different corporations or six. I think six players. And they run things. So they produce, you know, robots or androids that help with security. They also, you know, keep control of food and so on. So all of these different um, corporations have their own agendas. And they're trying to keep things running smoothly in New Angeles because they don't want the government stepping in. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Amsterdam. And what will happen is in the middle is an agent for the government who basically wants to take down the corporations. So you have six people that are working together to solve problems, but at the same time, they're trying to benefit from it. And the negotiations are hilarious. I mean, you've got people that say manufacture um, security droids who are going, really, we need to solve this problem with security droids. You know, or really, we need to, you know, deal with this particular and, you know, their agenda, what they're up to, you know, but at the same time, you have to go go along with it or partially go along with it or make deals. It's kind of semi-political game, mm-hmm. really good game. It doesn't get the respect and love it should. Mm-hmm. Um, there's minis that I went and painted and so on. And I think I'm actually painting. I'm doing an insert for it at the moment, but it's it's a really good game, and it's surprising it hasn't been a bigger hit for Fancy Flight. So, what's your number one game, Philip? Okay, my number one sub-500 game is a game that I built an insert for. And it's also a game that we recently talked to the designer, the creator, and the publisher of City of the Big Shoulders by Parallel Games, created by Raymond Chandler III, no relation to the author Raymond Chandler. It's a great game. It's 18xx-ish. It, again, it's a game where you're an investor in Chicago businesses that were created between the, the Great Fire and the Great Depression. Because everything about Chicago talks about great things. Mm-hmm. It's just a, an amazing game. Um, it's got a variable worker placement. Basically, each player puts out a, 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 a tile that can be now a worker placement. And so they get to choose what uh, abilities are out there. It's just so good, and it's so thoughtful. And it, you know, it plays in about three, three and a half hours, if you know what you're doing. But gee golly whiz, it's really good. Um, yeah, the, 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 the rule book is written for someone who's used to 18xx games, not for a regular player, but that's about to be fixed. Uh, the board is about to be fixed. There's some little weird inconsistencies on the board, but the game itself is phenomenal. Once you get over that, it's just great. Um, I I went out and I got the Meeple Realty insert. I built it. I've played it. I, I have now the Roxy Iron Clays that I use for the money instead of the crappy ma- paper money that they have. Although, in fairness, the paper money has images of very famous Chicagoans. So it's really kind of cool in that regard. So 
City of the Big Shoulders. Um, it's a stock game, economic game, and a worker placement game done just so brilliantly. And I enjoy the heck out of it. So those are my my top soft sub 500 games. That's fantastic. That's really, really good. Yeah. Well, Vic, thank you very much. As always, I enjoy talking with you as I knock. You don't enjoy talking to me. You just talk to me. I, I, I do enjoy talking to you. And, and one day we'll meet face to face once, you know, I can fly to Ireland and not have a 14 day quarantine to prove that I'm not sick. Tell me about it. Yeah. No, that this is this is it. You're you're going to come to NaveCon. You're gonna be the star of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once NaveCon gets gets back in action, which will probably be next year. Um but at this stage, but yeah, you know what? Um I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. It's uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit and um, we should have a laugh. Uh, um, I'm, I'm sure we will have lots of laughs. Vic, where would, where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you? People can find me at NaveCon. That's K-N-A-V-E Con. Or just look at the tattoo on his back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it has a URL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got one of those short ones. www.welcometonavecon.com That was painful. Um, <laughs> I went down one leg and up the other. What about yourself? They can find me on Twitter at the at sign board game rabbi. They can find me on Instagram at and the at sign ex Wall Street, and they can find me in the board game group where I am one of uh, seventeen admins. So with that, and what we like to say is always be gaming, guys. Always be gaming. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care.